Today, I'm so excited to be beginning a brand new series with all of you here at Thrive. It's called, Is It Love? Everyone say, Is It Love? Is It Love is a relationship series that's all about understanding the misunderstandings that keep us from real love. See, you know, oftentimes, without us even knowing it, we have assumptions about what love is and how relationships should be. And we bring those assumptions, whether they're correct or not, into the way we approach our relationships. And if those assumptions are correct, then it'll help the relationship. It'll strengthen the relationship. But if those, if those assumptions are wrong, the effect is that those assumptions eventually become misunderstandings, which in turn cause trouble, conflict, pain for us and others in our relationships. And so there's certain assumptions, these misunderstandings that we bring into relationships. But there's not just that. There's also misunderstandings that we get into when we're in relationships. If you're in a relationship with someone else, you know that sometimes without even trying, there's miscommunication, there's misunderstanding, there's tension, there's conflict, there's arguments. And see, what are those misunderstandings that we bring into our relationships? What are some of those misunderstandings that we get into when we're in those relationships? That's what we're talking about in this series called Is It Love? And we're trying to uncover those misunderstandings and ask, you know, how can we move away from those misunderstandings toward a healthier approach to relationships and experience real love. That's what we're talking about in this series. And so whether you are single or you're married or you're separated or you're divorced or you're widowed, you're in transition in some other way, we hope that this series is going to be beneficial and helpful to you. And we encourage you as we're going through the series to ask questions. In fact, we encourage you to submit your questions to us. You go to mythrive.info and send us your questions. We can't guarantee that we can get to every single question specifically in our session here on Sundays, but we will definitely consider those questions, every question that comes in, as it helps us to think about what we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come, and we will try to answer some specific questions when we can as well. Are you guys ready for the series called Is It Love? Here we go. If you're taking notes today, the message I'm here to share with you as we begin the series is called Limp at Love. Limp at Love. See, let me tell you a story. I've got this friend who, when he was getting, to, getting ready to get married many years ago, he read all these books on marriage. Every book that was a bestseller on marriage, he read it all. And he assumed at the end of reading those books that he was ready for whatever marriage would throw at him. He was such a fan of all those marriage books that he even did something at his wedding that I've never seen anybody do. Do you know what he did? Is that at the end of the ceremony, after he's been married for maybe 15 minutes, he gets up, he takes the mic, and he says, okay, everybody, just to let you know, as you're mingling in the reception hall, I've set up a little book table with all my favorite books on marriage, and I'd just be happy to talk to you about those books. And you have any questions, happy to answer any questions you may have. And I'm thinking, this guy's been married for about 15 minutes. And I guess he just really liked those marriage books. And so you know what? Many years of marriage later, my friend and I, we got reacquainted. And I asked him, hey, remember at your wedding you had this book table and you set it up and you had all these marriage books there? And he, he laughed at himself and he's going, <laughs> almost to say, like, I can't believe I did that. And he said thank you, one thing, he said, marriage is not that simple. <laughs> and man, marriage and love are really not that simple. In fact, relationships can be hard if you believe that, say amen. amen. And in fact, uh, do you ever find that when it comes to love and relationships, that you are like this little penguin trying to fly. 
Kind of like you're, you're reaching for something that you can't have. It's like you long for great relationships, and yet sometimes we're just so bad at relationships. You know, and we all long to find real love, and so often it evades us. And when we think we finally, finally found real love, sometimes it's even that much tougher to keep it. Why is that? Well, this message is called Limp at Love. I'm going to tell you today that we all have what I call a love limp. It's a area. A a love limp is an area of the way we relate to others that we find really difficult to do, where it's just like, no matter how hard we try, we just have a difficult way, we have have a difficult time trying to love people in that way, such that, you know, it's like we can't always love fully. We can't always love completely. You've got one. I've got one. I've got many. In fact, I've got so many love limps, you can call me for the rest of the series JB Limp. Because that's how many limps I've got. But see, here's the thing. Not only do you have a love limp, guess what? The person that you are married to or will marry one day, the person that you are dating or will date one day, they also have a love limp. We're all limping. And it's almost like when you put two limping people together and you put them in a relationship, their relationship is kind of like this really awkward high school grade eight dance where it's like, you're not really sure what you're doing, and you're limping, and you're just kind of trying to figure things out, but it's like awkward, it's unnatural, it's even painful, and it doesn't look romantic at all, and sometimes it can get so frustrating that you get to the point where you're like, why are we even doing this? Why do we even bother getting this right or trying to? See, here's the thing. Do you have a love limp? We all do. In fact, today we're going to do a little poll, can we? Okay, we're going to do a little poll, and right now I want you to get out your phones, And I want you to take a picture or take a scan of that QR code or go to that URL, mythrive.info slash poll. And we're going to do a little poll, an anonymous poll together, where I'm going to ask you, what is your top love limp? All right? And so if you go to that, you're going to find that it's going to list about 13 love limps that many of us commonly deal with, that we struggle with, an area of loving others, an area of relating that we sometimes have a difficult time with. Which one is your top love limp? And I want you to select it. You might find, oh, you know what? You know, I, I, the biggest one for me is not even, even on here. That's okay. I just want you to just focus on those first 13 first and select one, submit it anonymously, and later on in the service, we're going to try to show you those results, all right? So we're going to do this little love limp poll and show you, you know, where are we limping together as a church family because we all have a love limp. And as you're doing that little love limp poll, just nudge your neighbor and say, I've got a limp too. I've got a limp too. You know, what is love anyways? You know, so many people have been asking that question. A lot of artists over the century have asked that question. Even the past few decades, you got, you know, you know so- songs like, you know, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. You know, Hathaway, back in 1993, I always hear the song in the gym. Uh, another one is there's this K-pop girl group that just a couple years ago, uh, their name is Twice, and they did a song also called What is Love? I want to know, no, 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 what is love? You know, and that's, you know, that's Twice. You know, you've got, you know, back in the 1980s, a Canadian singer called Alana Miles, and she's got a song called Love Is, and she gives her take on what love She's like, love is what you want to be love is heaven to the lonely show me what you wanted to do love is what i got for you right that that's that's a land of, oh, 
This is Is It Love the Musical, all right? And then you got back in 2009, an artist called Jason Ma together with Bruno Mars. Before Bruno Mars became this global pop sensation, they did a song together called Love, where Jason Ma, he shares this powerful take on what love is. And see, there's so many artists have been asked that question, what is love? And so you ask 10 different people what love is, you might get 10 different definitions and 10 different responses. But let me tell you this, one of the most common misunderstandings that so many of us have about love that actually keeps us from experiencing real love is the following misunderstanding. Let me show it right now. It's that love is just a feeling. That love is just a feeling. See, so many of us, we go about life either consciously or subconsciously thinking that love is nothing more than a feeling. See, what problems arise in our relationships when we live as if love is just a feeling? Let me just name a few right now. Number one, when we assume that love is just a feeling, we can end up giving up prematurely on our relationships. You know, sometimes I'll hear different people say, as they're considering ending a relationship that they've been in for a while, they'll say, you know what, you know, we just don't love each other anymore. Or I just don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. And see, what they're referring to is how they feel toward that person. And they say it in such a definitive way as if that should carry all the weight. Is that because I don't feel the same way anymore, then what's the use of even continuing on going? It's the the fact that, you know, we don't feel, feel the same way we did before it's time to move on. And see, what's the assumption that people are making when they talk that way about love? They're assuming that love is just a feeling. You either have it or you don't. And so when you lose it, you can't just get it back. It's just gone. It's beyond your control. And so when you don't feel the way you used to, that's the end of love. As one phone company used to advertise, they would say, when the love is gone, it's time to move on. And see, that I would submit is a misunderstanding of what love is. Because if you approach your relationships with that misunderstanding about love, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find that your relationships will be pretty superficial. Is that they don't last very long. Is that it's very up and down just depending on how you feel. And you might find yourself giving up a lot more quickly and a lot earlier on your relationships than you should. That's the first problem that comes when we just think love is no more than a feeling. Second problem that comes, when we assume love is just a feeling, we don't grow when we encounter relationship problems. See, if you think that love is just a feeling, you'll be less keen to work out problems in your relationship when they come, and they will come. And instead of seeing a change in feelings as this opportunity to learn, to grow, to mature, and to work on stuff, you just see the change of feelings as a reason to bail. And I'm out of here. There's no, why, why should I stay? And see, on top of that, we'll also be quick to assume that the next person that we have big feelings for, that's the real one that I should be with until the feelings change again. And see, we never, as a result, grow out of this very childish, selfish, self-centered approach to love and relationships. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that feelings are not important. I'm not saying that. I'm just challenging the misunderstanding that love is just a feeling. Here's a third problem that comes. When we assume love is just a feeling, we will be less discerning about who we give our hearts to. See, when you're thinking about dating someone, when you're thinking about pursuing someone, If you think that love is just a feeling, what's going to happen? The biggest, if not the only thing that you're going to focus on, that's going to determine your decision, is how you feel toward that person. 
You're not really considering anything else. People, your friends who know you well, they're like, come on, man, like, what about this? Do you want to consider this part of it? Or, you know, you've got the Bible, which in my mind is the best relationship book in the world. And if you've got questions about the Bible, is it reliable? Is it accurate? Well, we, we don't have time to look at this in this message, but I hope, I hope you find that on the resource that we provide you at Thrive, you can see there's good reasons to believe in the Bible. But here's the thing. The Bible is not just a historical document. It's a book on relationships, on how to have healthy relationships. But if you ignore all the things that it says about relationships, if you ignore all the warnings about you know what, watch out for this kind of relationship. Watch out for, you know, marrying this kind of person. Then, and you're just kind of like, I'm just focused on how I feel. Then guess what? You're going to end up making some very unwise decisions when it comes to relationships. That's the third problem. Fourth problem is that when we assume that love is just a feeling, we take for granted the way people love us that we don't immediately feel. You know, sometimes we make this mistake of measuring how much a person loves us or even how much we love that person based on how we feel about them in the moment. You know, for example, my wife, Charlene, we've been married together for about 20 years now. And, you know, my wife loves to bring up the story, so I don't think I have any problems and she doesn't have problems with me bringing it up too, is this, is when we were dating over 20 years ago, one day for my birthday, Charlene bought me this beautiful, expensive, shiny bracelet with my name engraved in it. And according to her, I don't remember this. Maybe I'm in denial, but I don't remember this part of it. She says this, is that with this noisy, shiny, blingy bracelet on my hand, I looked, her, looked at her and I said, Charlene, why is it that I don't feel loved by you? And, you know, and she's like, you know what? I just spent my life savings on this birthday gift, and you don't think I love you? And see, what's going on? There's two things that were going on at that moment. First, Charlene was still learning something about me, about my language of love, is that, you know, there's different languages of love. You know, there's, you know, physical touch. There's, you know, acts of service. There's gifts. There's, you know, uh, you know, quality time together. My primary language of love is words, words of affirmation, encouraging words. And, and so she was still learning that. And so that was part of it. But even more important than that is that I had taken for granted Charlene's loving efforts because I was just so focused on how I felt in that moment. And there I am complaining, why don't I feel loved by you when love is staring me in the face and it's shining at me from my wrist? And you know, on that day, we both had something to learn, but I had some growing up to do. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You don't have to say it so loudly on that one. But you know, the fact is, I did. I did have a lot of growing up to do. And so this, this misunderstanding that love is just a feeling creates many problems for us. It kills our staying power in relationships. It stunts our growth and our maturity. It leads us to make bad choices. It causes us to take for granted real love, even when it's right there in front of us. And see, many of us, we would say, I already know that love is more than a feeling. Yet so much of the music that we listen to, the movies that we watch, the books that we read, they glorify this aspect of love as if, there's all, that's, as if that's all there is to love, that love is just a feeling. And so for often subconsciously, without us even trying to, we're affected by that misunderstanding and we can actually live as if that's true in our daily practical lives. And see, here's the thing. The more we equate love with just a feeling, we become limp at love. We become bad at relationships. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that feelings are not important. They're just not all important because love is more than a feeling. 
And as we go through the series, we're going to talk more about the role feelings play in a relationship. What should you do when the feelings change? But first, let's look at what love really is. See, if love is more than a feeling, what is love exactly? What source do we go to for any definitive idea on what love is? Well, here at Thrive, we go to the Bible. Because we believe the Bible is unlike any other book, any other source in the world. And if you want to know what is the most famous passage on love in the Bible, many people will tell you it's 1 Corinthians 13. What passage is read at more weddings every year than any other passage? It's 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, there's a movie called Wedding Crashers where they even make a joke about it. You know, we've got Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. They are attending, i.e. crashing a wedding. And a bridesmaid is about to get up and read scripture. And Owen says to Vince, 20 bucks says it's going to be 1 Corinthians 13. And it was. And see, as often as we hear 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings, let me tell you this. It's not on your wedding day that you most need to think about 1 Corinthians 13. It's every day after your wedding. It's every day after you say yes to someone. And see, why is that? It's because 1 Corinthians 13 clarifies for us what love really is. It provides a definition for love that is so countercultural to what we hear all the time, which is love is just a feeling. And see, I guarantee you this, is that a couple that meditates on 1 Corinthians 13 often after their wedding will be so much happier and so much healthier and so much better off than a couple that just reads 1 Corinthians 13 on the day of their wedding. And so whether you're married or not, I encourage you, if you want to grow in love, I encourage you to, to take 1 Corinthians 13 and memorize it, get it in your heart, get that definition of love into your heart and mind. In fact, we're going to do this together as a church, is that we encourage everyone to be in a small group. We're going to do a small group challenge where if you are one experienced community, make sure you're in a small group, because in a small group this coming week, we're going to challenge every small group here online, on site, to do this. I want you guys to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, not the whole thing, but three, four verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. And the small group with the most number of people who can recite 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, not by reading it, but, but from memory, we're going to give them a little gift card as a little incentive. Although the benefits of memorizing God's word are far more than that. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, so support your small group leader, uh, and let's do this. We're going to take 1 Corinthians 13 and not just read it. We're going to get it in our heart, and let's start by reading it today. 1 Corinthians 13, we're actually going to start from 1 Corinthians 12, the end of 12. Verse 31 says it this way. Let's read it in a big, loud voice. It says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, it can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Stop right there. What's Paul talking about? Paul, in these first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about the necessity of love. He's basically saying, hey, without love, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say. Without love, it doesn't matter how much you think you know. Without love, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Without love, it doesn't matter how much you give or how much you accomplish. Because what matters to God more than anything is how we love. Jesus once said, the greatest commandment in the Bible is love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. See, for God, love matters more than anything. 
Love is the highest virtue in the kingdom of God. And so after talking about the necessity of love in verses one to three, Paul goes on to talk about the nature of love, what love is. Verse four to seven, we get this definition of what love is, and this is what I want you to memorize this coming week. Are you guys ready? Read it with me together. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angry. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I want to encourage you so that you can get it in your heart this week. You know, memorize this, recite it to yourself every day this coming week. And whenever you are tempted to believe that love is just a feeling, you want to recite these verses to yourself. Because what you're doing is you are replacing the misunderstanding that love is just a feeling with the truth about what love is. You're rewiring your brain to think about love. And see, with the help of these verses that we just read, we can learn some really powerful lessons about what love is and what love is not. Let's end today by looking at four realities about love. You can write these down. Reality number one. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a way of living and a way of relating to others that you intentionally choose. See, love is not just a feeling that comes to you beyond your control. It's a direction you decide to go in. And see, Paul, when he's writing this stuff about love, you know what? He compares love to a road. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If you have your Bibles, you can even underline that word way. See, the word way in Greek is hodos, which means a road. In other words, love is a road that you intentionally get on. Love is a road that you have to actually intentionally choose to walk on. It doesn't just come to you beyond your control, but you have to get on that road called love. It's a way of living. It's a lifestyle. It's an attitude you choose. It's a direction we walk in. Turn neighbor and say, love is a road. Love is a road that you walk in. Number two, love is not just an inner feeling. It's an outward action. It's about your character. See, love begins with an attitude and it ends with an action. Love isn't just what you feel for someone inwardly, but love is how you actually treat that person on the outside, even when you don't feel anything at all. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 6 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. See, here we see approximately 13 characteristics for love. It's choosing to be patient when you're tempted to just be anxious and just want it now. It's choosing to be kind when it's easier to be mean. It's being secure enough to not be so jealous easily or envious easily of others and not let that get the best of you. It's choosing to be humble when you'd rather be proud. It's admitting when you're wrong and when you make a mistake and apologizing. It's choosing not to be rude even when you're tired and irritable and annoyed. It's choosing to control your temper when you'd rather just blow up. It's choosing to get, let go of that grudge instead of hanging on to it. See, love is not just a feeling. Love is about your character. And love is willingly sacrificing yourself for the good of someone else. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And see, here's a question for you today. When you look at these 13 characteristics of love, these 13 different things that love does in verses four through seven, let me ask this question. Which one do you need to work on the most? 
if love is a road that we walk on, if it's a direction we move in, what aspect of love do you have the most difficulty with? That's what we're calling our love limp, your love limp. And so let's take a look now at the results of our poll, our love limp poll that we just did earlier, and let's see what you guys said. So this one, I think, is our 1130 service, okay? And so here we go. Is the top three love limps that you guys identified is number one, being kinder with my words and tone. So I guess we've got some mean people in the service. Is that right? Is that what's going on? Okay. All right. I appreciate your honesty. Number two, being more encouraging. Again, mean people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And then that, so that was 35% for being kinder with my words and tone. 23%, this is real-time stuff, okay? 23% being more encouraging. Number three, being quicker to forgive, 11%. Uh, and just so you know, do you want to see what happened in 930 service? Do we have that as well? Do we have that? Can we show that as well? Okay, so in case you're kind, number one was also being kinder with my words and tone. Number two was not being easily envious or jealous. Number three was having a better temper, all right? So it seems like you guys might have a better temper than the 930 service for whatever reason. But see, whatever your love limp is, the fact is we all got one. In fact, you might have several. And see, over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these love limps and what we can do about them so we can be better lovers of people. But in the meantime, as you're going through this day, As you're going through this week, can I invite you and challenge you to ask yourself this important question as you're going through life this coming week? Is that when it comes to the words you're speaking, when it comes to the thoughts you're thinking that often lead to your words, when it comes to the decisions you're making, ask yourself, is that love? Not am I in love, but am I acting in love? Am I going in the direction of love? See, turn neighbor and say, it's a direction. It's a direction. Are you going in the direction of love? Number three, love is not just a passing feeling. Love is an always commitment. See, love is this whether I feel like it or not kind of commitment. It's unconditional. It's saying, no matter what, I'm here. No matter what, I'm here to love you. And see, in 2022, we had a lot of weddings. Here at Thrive Church, we had a lot of weddings. And it's, you know, as unique and as different as each couple is, and I'm looking at some of them here in this place, as unique and different as each of them are, the vows they made were the same. And the vows went like this, through good times and hard times, you remember this? In health and in sickness, for richer or for poorer, for as long as we both shall live, I will honor you and cherish you. I will forsake all others and keep myself to you only. See, what are they saying to one another when you get married? They're saying, I'll always believe the best about you. I'll always be here to protect you. Even when things get tough, I will not give up. And why? It's because 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says it. It's that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, you might be looking into that and going, man, is that even realistic? Isn't that just way too idealistic? Come on, man, be real here. Like, like aren't there times when we need to give up? You know, let me give you an example. This is one of the questions we received um, in preparation for our series. And again, we invite you to bring in your questions. Uh, one person wrote this. They said, how do you deal with a spouse who develops a crippling mental illness? I could not cope any longer with my spouse's mental illness and decided to leave the marriage. I was terribly unhappy as my needs were no longer being met in the marriage. I went from being a partner to being a caretaker. Was I wrong to leave the message? Was I wrong to leave the marriage? What does God say about that? See, first off, I want to thank you so much for that question. 
I want to thank you so much for your honesty and bravery. I don't know who you are, uh, but I want to thank you for sharing your story with us and your question with us. The fact is, a lot of us have experienced firsthand how mental illness can cripple an individual. It can really affect a relationship. It can really affect a marriage. It can really affect a family. And there are no easy answers when it comes to mental illness. Someone who's really quick to judge and without knowing all the facts might say, well, you know what, you should have never given up on your, on your spouse that way. You know, love is always trusting, always protecting, always hoping, always persevering. How dare you give up that way? But see, I, personally, I wouldn't be so quick to judge, especially when we don't know all the facts. See, it's true that according to the Bible and according to the vows that people make when they get married, marriage is a commitment for life. It's as long as we both shall live. It's also true that according to the Bible, there are very, very few circumstances where divorce or leaving your spouse is justified. Now, the question is, is this one of them? Now, without knowing anything else about your situation, I can't tell you whether it was right or wrong for you to leave the marriage. The best thing I can do is to give you maybe some questions to think about and ask yourself. First question is, you know, was the mental illness of such a severity that your own health and safety were in danger, where it was no longer safe for you to be in the same home as this person, where it was actually dangerous, where there's, you know, abuse going on, maybe violence going on. If so, then I would probably submit that at least a temporary separation would be in order at least until that's no longer a risk. That's the first consideration. The second thing I would think of is if the mental illness is not one that puts you in physical danger or risks your health and safety, then I would say that I want to find out how long had the mental illness been going on for And what was the chances of recovery or what was the progress like with the help of time, with medication, with counseling, with prayer? Another consideration would be, what what did you sense God was saying and what God wanted you to do when you prayed about this issue? Did you pray about this issue? Another really big one is, what do you think Jesus would have done if he was in your situation? Another question would be, what kind of advice did you receive when you talked to professionals, counselors, spiritual leaders about this issue, what would they advise you to do? Another one is, what was your reason for leaving? Is like, was it purely just for yourself because you just had enough and, you know, you just want to do it for you? Or was it because it was best for everybody involved? Did both you and your spouse agree that this was the best course of action to take or did you just unilaterally take it? See, I can't tell based on the limited info that we have if you did something right or wrong. And if you are burdened by the guilt of doing something that you regret, can I just say this? Is I want you to know that God still loves you. And that God loves your spouse too. And that though the situation might be seem or it might seem too much for you or too much for your spouse, it's not too much for God. And so here's believing that even now God is writing a greater story with what happened in your lives. I would encourage you, don't give up on God's work in your life. Don't give up on God because God does not give up on you. And since we can't change what happens in the past, we can't undo the stuff that we've done, the best thing that we can do is to ask ourselves, what is the best way that I can love like Jesus now? What's the best way moving forward? Focus on that. Focus on that because you know that God is still with you, that God still loves you, and he's committed to helping you and giving you everything you need to live peacefully a life that is full of love and is glorifying to him. If you believe it, say amen. amen. So that would be you know, my response to your question. You ought to keep this in mind, church, is that 1 Corinthians 13 sets out the principles for love. 
And it's up to us as followers of Jesus to apply those principles as best we can to our specific situation and context with wisdom in one hand, with faith in the other hand. Amen? Amen. And so, for example, say, say you're married, but, or sorry, say you're not married and you're dating someone or you're engaged to someone. And more and more over time, you're realizing that this person is not a good match for you. If that's your situation, when 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, does that mean that you in your current engaged or dating state, that you need to commit yourself for life in marriage to this person? Of course not. Of course not. See, God has the same five purposes for all of us. We are all called to worship Jesus. We are all called to grow more like Jesus. We're all called to serve Jesus with our talents. We're all called to lead others to Jesus. We're all called to love his family, his church. Those are the same five purposes that God has for you as he has for me. And he also gives us principles that apply across the board to everybody, to all of us. You know, how to love. The definition of love for God is the same, whether it's he's talking about you or talking about me, but how we express those purposes and how we express those principles, how we apply them to our lives will sometimes look a little different from person to person, depending on our context. That's why it's so important to have faith in one hand and wisdom in the other when you're trying to read, understand, and apply the word of God. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So we need wisdom. We need faith. We need them both. Number four, and we're going to end with this one. What is love? Love is not just a feeling. God is love. See, when Charlene and I got married almost 20 years ago, the scripture passage that we got our friend to read at our wedding day was not 1 Corinthians 13. It was 1 John 4. It's because we wanted to be different. I'm kidding. It's not because we wanted to be different. It's because we really liked that passage. And I'm not going to read the whole passage here, but I'm just going to show you one verse from that passage. 1 John 4, 8 says it this way. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you like the K-pop group twice, you want to know, no, 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 what is love? Then let me tell you, God is love. And if God is love, then what that means is that all those descriptions that you see in 1 Corinthians 13 of what love is, all of that is a description of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 with me again, but I want you to look at it in maybe a way you've never looked at it before. Is it, it says love is patient, love is kind. Let me tell it to you another way. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God doesn't delight in evil, but God rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. And the greatest proof that that is who God is, is the cross where Jesus died for us. Because if love was just a feeling, God would have given up on us a long time ago. If, God, if love was just a feeling, God would have cut us off and canceled us, us out a long time ago. But because love is patient and love is kind and love is not proud and love does not easily anger because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs because love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth because love always protects and it always trusts and it always perseveres. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins 
to show us what love is. That when we had no way of reaching God, when we couldn't just limp to heaven, we had just, we're just completely disqualified from heaven. God sent Jesus to show us real love when he died on the cross for our sins. And it's because of God that you and I can know what love is. 1 John 3.16 says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Here's another one. 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Turn your neighbor and say, God is love. God is love. And since God is love, if you want to grow in love and become a better lover, you need to get to know God. Amen. See, the more you get to know God, the more you spend time with God, the more you build a relationship with God, the more you let God's thinking affect your thinking, the more you let God's word affect your world, the more you let God's actions become your example, the more you grow in God, the more you grow in love. And see, there's good news for all of us, that means. For every single one of us who have this love limp is that God wants to help you with the love limp. So let me just end with one last story today. See, during the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, there's an athlete from Great Britain called Derek Redmond. And Derek was the favorite to win the 400-meter dash at the Barcelona Olympics. And on the day of one of the qualifying rounds, Derek Redmond, he places in the starting blocks, the gun goes off, and everything seems to be going as normal as expected. And he's running, he's striding, but less than halfway through the race, Derek, he's running and he hears a pop. And at first he thought, what, what is that, is a firecracker? But then two or three strides later, he feels the searing pain coming up his leg to the point where he can't even stride anymore. He falls to the ground, and it turns out that he'd torn his hamstring in the middle of this race. He falls to the ground while all the other runners are running. And Derek decides, i got to keep on going. So he gets up, and he tries to finish the race, limping his way to the finish line. And obviously he's in pain. Obviously he's struggling. He's still got a really long way to go. But then something happens that shocked everybody. Is that as he's limping his way to the finish line, still with a lot more to go, someone from the stands gets up and goes to the track. And he's a spectator, but then he gets out of his seat and he starts running to Derek. And you know who it was? Who it, was? it was his dad. His dad's name is Jim. And Jim Redmond... He's running to his son and he grabs hold of his son. And as Derek is limping his way to the finish line, you've got his dad who's got him, who's holding him. And together they're walking to the finish line. And it was such an emotional moment on that day. It makes me emotional just thinking about it. Is that that's how Derek finished his race. Not by himself, all confident and you know, all strong, but he finished it with his father's help. He finished it limping his way to the finish line with his father by his side. And see, likewise, why do I mention that? It's because when it comes to love, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to maybe one particular relationship that you particularly care about right now, maybe things started off so well, but somewhere in the middle of that run, you had a big fall. Maybe you broke something. And now you are limping. Now you're in pain. 
now you're struggling. And now you're wondering if you're even gonna finish. You're wondering if you're ever gonna make it to the end. And I'm here to let you know, God is your heavenly father. And he's not just watching you from the stands as a spectator going, oh, too bad. But he's your heavenly father. He's running to you. He's running to where you are. And he's committed not just to running to, but walking with you and hanging on to you so that you can get to the finish line with a limp, but a finish line nonetheless. Such that even with your limp, together, you're going to make it to the end. And maybe that's the very word you need to hear today is that you're gonna make it to the end. Amen. You're gonna make it to the end. You might not always feel like, you might not wanna you know, keep on going. You might like feel like you're giving, you wanna give up right now, but I'm, let me tell you, you're gonna make it to the end because your heavenly father is gonna make sure of it. And see, it might not end up exactly the way that you hoped. And in fact, it might end up kind of different, very different from what you first expected. But let me tell you this, if you let God help you and to walk together with that limp, you're gonna learn something about love that is so much greater than anything that you could have accomplished or experienced without God's help. You're gonna learn something about what love really is and who God is and how much you mean to Him. And so it's with that in mind, I'll just everyone to stand in this place as we close off today. You know, today we've been looking at one of the biggest misunderstandings that people have about love that so many of us have, which is that love is just a feeling. But we've learned today that love is so much more than a feeling. It's so much more than a feeling. First John 4:19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so if you want to know what love is, it all starts with God. It doesn't start with you and how you feel. It doesn't start with the other person and what they've done. It doesn't start with what the world says. It starts with God. And before we can truly love the way we were made to love, we first need to receive love. It's God's love. That's because God is love and we can't give what we don't have. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed here on site and online as well, if you've never asked God for his forgiveness for sin, never asked God for his love to fill your life, then I wanna encourage you to make this your moment when you do that. It's because God loves you. And he made you not just to limp your way through life, but he made you to know the most incredible love that isn't just for you, but it's gonna flow through you to the people around you. But it all begins with this. And so I would encourage you, if you realize that you could use some help in this area, you could use God's forgiveness for maybe something that you did, something that you said, or maybe a whole host of stuff from your past, that I'm here to let you know that you can receive God's peace. You can receive God's forgiveness. You can receive God's love. And it's as simple as praying an honest prayer to him that I'd love to lead you in right now. If that's you today, don't worry about your neighbor, but I'm just encourage you to respond to God right now. We talked about lifting our hands earlier today. Well, I just encourage you to just lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand to God as just your honest way of saying, God, I need you. Don't worry about your neighbor. This is where, you know, we shed a little bit of our pride. This is where we kind of just not really care about what other people are doing. And we just say, God, I need you. God, I need you. And if that's you, one of our, our team members might come to you with a little card with a prayer on it. Maybe you're online. You can click the link in your chat room, scan the QR code on your screen. It's going to take you that same prayer. And this is our way of asking God for his forgiveness for the stuff we've done in the past. It's our way of asking God for his peace to replace our anxiety, our worry, our hopelessness. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, you want to do that, we're going to do that together. In fact, let's all pray this out loud with those praying it for the first time. Just pray this with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross 
to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer just now, then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. It's that simple because it's not based on what we do. It's based on what God, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And so if you prayed that prayer just now, a huge congratulations to you. We encourage you to keep following Jesus. Keep coming to church. One more thing we encourage you to do is get baptized. Baptism is not this graduation, not, oh, look how spiritual I am and how committed I am to Jesus. It's actually the opposite. It's a beginning. It's you saying, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I've received him to my life. And so if that's you, you're ready to get baptized. We encourage you to go to mythrow.info, press the baptism button for more info on baptism. We'd love to help you out with that as well. And uh, praise God. Can we give God a big hand for all that he's doing in this day? Hello everyone, welcome to Thrive. My name is Marizal and please let me spend a few minutes to go through some announcements with you and what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time here, we would love to connect with you. We want to give you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle to thank you for spending your time with us. Simply visit mythrive.info and click New to Thrive and we will mail the water bottle straight to your mailing address. If you're on site with us at Lepont Place, we're so honored and grateful that you're here. You can pick up your gifts at the Welcome Center tent by the exit door after the service. Today, we officially kicked off our brand new message series on relationship called Is It Love? Uncovering the misunderstandings that keep us from real love. As part of the series, we want to make sure that we are addressing the concerns and questions that you might have. So, if you have any relationship questions, visit mythrive.info and click Relationship Questions to submit your questions anonymously. And hey, remember to invite someone to Thrive next Sunday. I'm sure they'll find this message series very helpful as well. Last but not least, if you're looking for ways to get more connected at Thrive, it's time to get yourself plugged in at Thrive Community by joining a small group or by being part of a serving team. This is the best way to meet new friends and to develop meaningful relationships with others. To sign up, visit mythrive.info. That is all for the announcements today. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info to support the ministries here at Thrive. And if you're new with us today, be sure to visit us at the Welcome Center tent. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Stay blessed.